Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, Renaissance family. It is such a blessing to be here where I get to do my favorite thing, which is spend time with the Lord and you all make it better whether you are with me in our space or whether you are at home watching online. There is nothing I love more than spending the time with the Word, spending the time with the Lord, and especially doing it alongside family. So let us welcome our Father into this space this morning and pray. Father God, we are thankful. Lord, we are thankful that in the midst of all the things that we could have chosen to do in this time, we chose you. Lord, we thank you that we have a desire to spend time with you right now, that we have a desire to learn more about you. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts in this space, Lord, that you would remove any barriers that would prevent us from hearing the word that you have designed for each and every single one of us. Dear God, we ask that every single word that is shared, that is heard, that Lord, it is your word alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so a few nights ago, I was plugging away on my laptop, preparing for our time together today, and my loving husband, Rob, comes into the room and he says, babe, you want to go on a mini date? And I know my husband, he was actually in the kitchen cleaning the dishes, and it really just meant, can you help me take the garbage out to the garbage room? And of course, I was like, of course, I'll get up. So we get up, go in the kitchen to get the bags together, and the Spotify station that he is listening to is playing our wedding song. And so we dance. True story. We start dancing. And so then when the song goes off, I look at him and I was like, babe, did you really want me to help you with the garbage or did you, come, did you ask me to, to dance with you? And he was like, both. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's fine. So we pull the garbage together. We go to the front door and it's after 10 o'clock at night. So no one's in the hallway. He stops to grab his mask, put his mask on. And I've decided that I don't want to put my mask on. I'm just going to run down the hall and run back because I don't think I'm going to encounter a neighbor. So that's exactly what I do. I grab the garbage. I run down the hallway, get to the garbage room. I'm putting things away. And he comes up about 30 seconds behind me and he looks at me. He was like, you have failed the assignment. And I realized that he really did want to go on this mini date is about the 30 seconds that we get to walk down the hallway together to take the garbage out while the girls are asleep. And I was so busy getting to the garbage room and back without encountering anybody that I left him behind. And so um, this is not wrong. I, you know, I shouldn't have been out without my mask anyway. So getting back into the apartment was right. It just wasn't the assignment. And I realize that uh, the people that I love and who love me the most, they tend to get the least of me. Now, Rob asked for help, and of course, without question, I said, yes, let me jump up and help you. And I would imagine that if you were to ask any one of my family members if I loved them, they would say, of course she does, without question. But if you were to ask, do you get me? 
do they get to spend time with me? That answer is a bit less certain because it is a constant struggle for me to make them a clear priority in my life. And I struggle to spend unrushed time with my family. And lastly, it's really hard for them to get my undivided attention. And when we think about why that is, I know it's because I'm busy doing things for all of them. And I know that I'm not alone in that challenge. Some of us are up before sunrise and working away, plugging away, working so hard till after the sun sets, through dinner, because we are making our dreams come true, reaching our goals, and quite simply, taking care of the people we love. Now, while we're doing that, um, our health, our family, our friends, they typically are patiently waiting for us to give them our attention. Now, it could be the busyness of life. It certainly could be the separation that this pandemic has caused between us and the people we love most. In a lot of ways, it could certainly just be the self-imposed busyness we tend to place on ourselves that impacts our ability to give the people we love unrushed time and our undivided attention. And in a lot of ways, I believe that it is the same with our walk with God. We are very busy doing the things that we believe God has called us to do. Yet, he is patiently waiting for us to focus on him so that we could fully enjoy the gift of being in relationship with him. This is the gift of knowing that he has already done all that needs to be done for us. He gave his life so that we would be restored to our Father. My hope is that whether you are new to this man called Jesus or you count yourself a faithful follower of the Lord, you would want to know Jesus intimately above all else and that you would actually take steps to help you do that. We are in our series called The Well, and we're here to wrap our hearts around the word and just how much we need it to personally know our Savior and deepen our love for God. And so our scripture today is going to help us understand why we must prioritize Jesus in our lives, and we get to see what happens when we do. So let's dive in. We are in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 today, and you can look on the screen, you can open your paper Bible, you can turn on your phone and uh, read along. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to him and asked, Lord, 
Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, to understand, Mary and Martha are close friends of Jesus, and Martha invites Jesus and his disciples into her home in Bethany, which is just a few miles away from Jerusalem. And understand, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he rolls deep. He's got a lot of people with him. And Martha is understandably busy. She's cooking. She's cleaning. She's making sure the guests are all comfortable. And Mary is sitting, listening to Jesus. So I want us to stop right here because I know that some of us are already in our feelings about this story. And I wonder, does Martha's reaction resonate with you? Because have you ever done what you thought was expected of you only to find out that it doesn't work out the way that you thought it would and then to put salt in the wound, you see someone experiencing what you thought you'd get without even half the effort that you have put in yourself. Most of us know this frustration and resentment that Martha is experiencing. And then Jesus says something that again is bound to upset people like you and me who get stuff done. Mary has chosen what is better. So how do we reconcile what Martha is called to do? She is literally hosting the way Jesus told disciples to expect in the homes that they entered in, in Luke 10, 7. So how do we reconcile Martha's choice with Jesus' clear preference for Mary's choice? So in order to dig into this, it's really important that we understand two things first. Number one, Jesus is not saying the choice is not to work. If you've encountered this scripture before, you, have a t- you, you might have had or you might have heard a tendency to see these two sisters, one who works and one who doesn't, and pit the two against each other. And then we dismiss the scripture because we think the choice is unrealistic. And you know what? It is unrealistic because somebody has to do the work. Those of you who are watching here are able to be here because somebody came in and did the work to set up. If you are home watching online, somebody was here setting up all of the things so that you could watch from home. Work is essential. Second, Jesus valued work. His very nature was to be a servant. Right before Jesus was crucified, after dinner with his friends, he put a towel on and wrapped it around his waist, and he got down and started washing the disciples' feet. 
Nothing was beneath him. Jesus believed in work. Saint Jose Maria Escriva insisted, let us work. Let us work a lot and work well. For when we are diligent, everything becomes a place for meeting God, a loving dialogue with him. So the choice is not between working and not working. So then what is it? A question I want us all to answer and keep in mind today is how do we choose what is better and still get done what really needs to get done? I think, and this is where we're going to start, is by making sure we understand what better is. So Jesus says spending time with him is better than getting stuff done for him. And through this interaction with Mary and Martha, Jesus sets the record straight that what is better is not what we are doing, but it's what we allow ourselves to receive. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. And therefore, what do we then do with a gift? We receive it. But in order to enjoy it, we have to focus on it. So here, the real difference between Mary and Martha is where they each choose to place their focus. So let's take a look at that right now. We're going to start with Mary and look at how her focus on Jesus brought peace. Verse 39 says, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, Sometimes we look at Mary as this lazy younger sibling who doesn't carry her own weight. But to do that is to misunderstand that Mary is busy too. Jesus is in her house. So Mary isn't shirking her responsibilities. She's drawing from the well of Jesus. And she is capitalizing on the privilege it is to be a child of God. I know that we are so used to working so hard for every single thing. And there are so many things in our lives that tell us we must work that hard. Society says we must work hard. Our upbringing says we must work that hard. Oppression says that we must work hard. And so what happens is that we get so busy doing that we miss out on God's gift to just be with him. And there's something else that Mary experiences. 
Now, her focus on Jesus has enabled her to make a radical decision in her life because a woman at that time, she would have known exactly what was expected of her in that home to cook, to clean, to take care of her guests. But Mary is sitting as the disciples do, listening to the rabbi, Jesus, teach. At that time, women were not permitted to learn alongside the men. In fact, were they permitted to learn at all in some cases? Yet, it was Jesus who made sure there were no barriers to Mary being able to sit and be with him. Psalm 16 verses 5 through 8 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Mary understands the assignment. She chooses what is better. So now Martha chose to take care of the tasks that absolutely needed to get done, but she ended up salty about it. And so we said that work is not bad. And so if work is not bad, what got in her way? Verse 40 says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, fair warning, this is the part that may bother us, but I ask us all to lean into what the Holy Spirit is drawing your attention to at this point. Our hurried sister is making preparations for her beloved Jesus and his guests, and she's rightfully tending to them. But let's look at where she places her focus in all the cooking and all the cleaning and the comforting. She's lost sight of Jesus. Now, they're friends, right? That means that she knows how he has been healing the sick. She knows that he was able to feed thousands. Yet, in a situation that finds her overwhelmed as she tries to feed and care for a house, for a house full of people, in the presence of Jesus, Jesus the provider, Jesus the comforter, she prays, she demands for Mary's help. Talk about distracted. So let's break apart this idea of distraction. It literally means to be drawn away from. Now, Martha's distraction led her to believe that she could not ask Jesus for help, that she could not rely on Jesus. But to know Jesus is to know that he likes to be bothered. 
If we look at Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Our ultimate provider delights in being depended upon. Now, does Martha love Jesus? Yes. Is she serving him and doing all this for him? Yes. Do those people need to eat? Yes. However, it's the busyness that is leading her away from Jesus physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I would imagine that we all get caught up in our busyness too. I know that we could sit there and think of these moments where we're like, I got to do this, I got to do that, and then I got to go here, and then I got to go there. And then we get really resentful because we know that there's a spouse or a roommate or a coworker who's not helping. And then we get mad at Jesus. We get mad at Jesus because when we do finally look up and ask for help, we want to know why he let it get so bad in the first place. And then we want to know why he's not fixing it fast enough. Is that you? Maybe you're shifting a little bit in your seat. Maybe your heart's tinging a little bit. Remember, I asked that the Holy Spirit just draw your attention to it. Just pay a little attention to what's going on for you. So let's keep going. Jesus hears Martha, and he responds. Martha, Martha, he says in verse 41, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about so many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus here loves Martha enough to respond with what she needs, not just what she wants. In an instant, Jesus fed over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He certainly could have dealt with the details that Martha was in the midst of. But God responds in ways that address the root of our needs and help us to know him better. And we need to focus our attention on him so that he can do his work in us. So first, Jesus calls out her worry. A few weeks ago, Jordan pointed out that we are not to worry because it does nothing for us. And so to add to that, this is not a suggestion It is a command, and it is mentioned 25 times in the New Testament. The word used for worry is related to a Greek word that means to be divided or pulled in opposite directions. God knows that worry is a barrier to a deeper relationship with us because it splits our attention away from him. 
As one scholar says, it fixes our eyes on our situation or circumstance rather than on our Savior. And Pastor Tony Evans likens worry to fog. Um, Any of you who've been in the midst of fog know that it can be so dense that you can't even see your hand in front of your face. We know and have heard stories of how fog can bring an entire city to a standstill. And worry consumes us in the same way. Worry prevents us from moving forward. Think about this. Jesus was literally right in front of Martha's face and she could barely see him through the fog of her worry over all of the details and things that needed to get done. In the presence of Emmanuel, God with us, Martha worried that she had to do all the work by herself. And that is what Jesus needed to address. I ask us, where is your focus? Is your focus on Jesus fogged up by worry too? Because we know there is no shortage of things to worry about these days. Right now, we worry when our nose starts running and our throats get scratchy, what that means for the plans that we have laid out for ourselves. And we're not sure how we're going to pay our bills this month, or we're not sure how we're going to get the work presentation that we need to get done finished on time. And we're not sure as parents, is my kid going to school today? Are they home? They are, it's all up in the air. Jesus knew exactly what needed to get done in Martha's house that day. Jesus knows what's on your list too. But first things first. This is what Jesus wanted from Martha. And it is the exact same thing that he wants from each of us. We must establish him as a clear priority. And we must give him unrushed time. And we must give him our undivided attention. Jesus tells Martha that few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So, better is that in all we do, we stay focused on God. And we can look right at this scripture to see three steps that we can take to maintain our focus right where it belongs. One, we choose. Two, we sit. And three, We listen. So let's look at choose. 
Like Mary, we must choose to make room for Jesus in our lives because we need to be constantly reminded of God's love for us. We need to constantly be reminded of which way we are supposed to go. Because here's the deal, y'all. Satan stays at the ready to pounce when he knows he can distract you and set you off course. And now we know that only Jesus can win that war, but we fight these daily battles that fight against distraction and turning our attention away. We fight that with scripture. Hebrews 4, 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And now I know so many of us, or some of us, we may be shaking our heads already. Nope, mm-mm, mm-mm, that won't work for me right now. I just don't have time on my list for all of this making room for Jesus. And we look at our to-do lists and we see time with Jesus as just an additional task that there's just no space for at all. And we do that rather than placing Jesus where he deserves to be, at the center of our being intricately woven into the fabric of our lives. And I ask us, if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then we must believe that he will meet our deepest needs. Do you trust him enough to prioritize him. Do we trust Jesus enough to prioritize him? In his sermon, Our God is Able, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the God whom we worship is not weak and incompetent. He is able to beat back gigantic waves of opposition and to bring low, prodigious mountains of evil. God is able. It is our faith in him that we must rediscover. With this faith, we can transform bleak and desolate valleys into sunlit paths of joy and bring new light into the dark caverns of pessimism. God is able to give us the interior resources to face the storms and problems of life. And so, to prioritize him, we must choose. Reorder your steps. And for some of us, we are going to need to start with praying that we would have a desire to reorder our steps. And for some of us, we're going to need to pray that God would reorder our steps for us. And this all might be messy. In fact, it probably will be because we are in a relationship and relationships are messy. You are not going to show up perfectly all the time in your time with the Lord and even most of the time, but show up. Because if there is one thing we know is that his mercies are new every morning, even when you fall short. And I'm going to give you an example. 
Last Monday, my schedule said 6.15 to 6.15. I literally, by the way, write out a schedule for myself to get myself organized. And it said 6.15 to 6.50, pray. 6.50 to 7.30, take care of the girls. 7.30 to 8 o'clock, go to the gym. 8 o'clock to 8.45, get ready for my day with a nice 15-minute buffer before my first 9 a.m. Zoom call. Sounded great, but what the reality was was that from 6.50, excuse me, 6.15 to 6.50, I hit the snooze button. And then I scrambled around to get my girls ready for school, and they did get out the door on time. And so at 7.37, I had a choice to make because I was now back on track, right? I could go straight to the gym and get myself ready for the day. But I chose to spend time with God. And I know that my schedule, I know all of that still needs work because I hustled to spend my time with God. I, 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 I did run a little bit. I got myself dressed. Um, and so it all needs work because I'm not perfect. But here's what I also know, that Jesus knows the tasks that need to get done on my list. And I need to ask myself, what do I really need? And the answer was peace. Monday mornings are tough for me. And I experience a great deal of what I call Monday morning anxiety. And I needed to spend time with Jesus for peace. And so you are going to make choices in your own lives. And your choice might say 15 minutes. It might say 50 minutes. It might be in the morning. You might take a break at noon and spend your time. It may be at night before you sleep. But the point is to choose to spend time with God because he knows what you need. He's got you. So we choose and we sit still. The second thing we can do is sit still. Y'all, we need to sit still. And it's the hardest part for us, but we are worthy of his full attention, and he is worthy of yours. And so Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Now, before I read the word, I do, uh, before I read the word or write in my prayer journal, I set a timer for two minutes of silence. And to be honest with you, because this takes time, sometimes it's one minute, and sometimes it is 30 seconds. But I sit in silence in the quiet, of, uh, to quiet the bustle and the hustle of my family's morning routine. Pete Scazzaro says, our goal is to cultivate our personal relationship with him, to be with God, surrendering our will to his will, our presence to his presence, our actions to his actions. Each day, it is there where we actually position ourselves for God to do his transformative work in us. And lastly, we listen. Whether we are contemplative Mary or task-oriented Martha, we are all called by God to explore the depths of his word. And it happens over time. 
Because we recognize, for some of us, and at some point, maybe all of us, reading the Word felt stressful, right? Because for some of us, it tells us all these things we're doing wrong, and we just can't take one more piece of advice about how we're supposed to live our lives. And for some of us, we're just not sure what it's saying, and it makes no sense, and I just, we struggle to even sit down and make sense of it all. For some of us, thousands of year-old stories just are irrelevant to what we are trying to do today. And for others, it reminds us of school. And that's real. Perhaps you didn't like to read, and you didn't like your homework, and reading the Bible might feel like homework. But you know what? The Bible, reading the Bible is heart work. And it's not just words on a page, but a living, breathing word that reveals the gift that we have been given. Jesus humbled himself to enter this world. He died and rose again victorious over sin, and he gave us who believe a way back to God, our Father, and he wants nothing more than for us to know him. And so, if you have not yet started reading the Gospel of Mark, we invite you to get into the rhythm of reading Scripture daily. Read a chapter each day. And because we're learning and this takes time and we'll get stronger more and more the more we read, if you need to break it up, that's fine. The NIV version, the CSB version, or the ESV version, break the chapters up into smaller sections. Read those. And lastly, you are not alone in your endeavor to read Scripture each day. First, the desire can come to you from our Father. Pray for the desire to read the Word each day. And second, we are in community. We invite you to Bible study on Wednesday, the 19th, because we together are going to dig into the Gospel of Mark and talk about how we can get the most out of our time reading Scripture. And so we invite you to go and register for that special time together studying the Word. So choose, sit, Listen, do the work of being with God. Let us accept the gift of his love by focusing on him in all we do. Let's pray. Father, help us to focus on you in all we do, whether we are sitting silently or whether we are in the midst of a busy task, Lord. Help us to see you in all of it. Father, I pray that for every single person that is listening, that they would have a deep desire to spend time with you, to get to know you better, Lord, to welcome your transformational work in our hearts. Father, we ask that you would just be with us, Lord. Help us to be with you and put aside our need to do all the time. 
Father, I ask and I thank you for your word, for this, this space, this family. I pray that for anyone who wants to get into the word with you, that you would remove any barriers, Lord, that you would remove any distractions, Lord, and that we would experience your great love and peace. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you loved us so much that you would give your only son so that we could be with you again. In Jesus' name, amen.